Welcome to Our Jewish Roots with insightful Bible teaching by Dr. Jeffrey Seif. Today, we discover how David captured the heart of Israel on Warrior King. We are so glad you've joined us today. I'm David Hart. I'm Kirsten Hart. And I am Jeffrey Seif. And the word for today is Lochem, warrior, the warrior king. We're going to roll out a series again. It was a great one. It's all about King David. And dare I say, he was sort of a Renaissance man before the Renaissance came. He did everything. He fought. He was leadership. He wrote songs. Yeah, you don't always get the that in one person, a warrior and a poet at the same time. Right now, we take you to our dramatic reenactment in Israel, followed by teaching from Dr. Seif in Israel also. Let's go there now. We will never forget that day. Our hearts leaped for joy at the sight of him. David, the giant killer had returned. The Philistines thought that Goliath could never be defeated, but David had proven them wrong. What faith! How bold! He went to battle with a few small stones and returned with the sword of a giant. King Saul has done well in selecting him. Our enemies have been slain by the tens of thousands. Because of David, we now have peace within our walls. There was electricity in the air, if you will. People were bristling with excitement. And why is that? Because there was a sense in Israel that there was a new day dawning. And why is that? Because a new personality was emerging. David was beginning to make his mark on Israelite history. And people had a sense that they'd be the better for it. It had been hundreds of years since Israel had someone like him. Uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, was a religious sort, but he was a spirited soldier. Joshua fired up the national spirit with, with enthusiasm as he, with his intrepid, bold spirit, followed in uh, Moses' footsteps. But after that, the whole thing fell apart. For hundreds of years, there wasn't a national hero and people just went to their own homes, they went their own way, and Israelite life slipped into decay, despair, and disorientation. Saul held the banner for a season, and it was his job to, to, to take the sword out of the sheaf and fight Israel's battles, but uh, Saul was independent-minded, 
and he, he lost the job. God said enough already. He proved himself unmanageable, unteachable, couldn't work with them, more concerned with what people thought than what God thought. And so attention shifted to the house of Jesse, where the Lord alighted upon a fellow named David. The word David comes from a word meaning beloved. And beloved David worked his way into the hearts of Israel. And Israel was the better for it. But there was one heart that was not the least bit kindly disposed toward his arrival. We read here, and by here I mean in 1 Samuel chapter 18, that following a uh, skirmish with the Pilistim, with the Philistines, we're told in verse 7 that the women came out with tambourine in hand celebrating. And they sang, and I quote, He called Shaul Baalafov, and Saul has slain his thousands. You go, Saul. And then, Vidavid Berivotov and David, his tens of thousands. And listen to me, Saul was fit to be tied. I don't know if women understand how much of an effect that they have on the males of the species in so many ways. Saul was so sensitive to how the women perceived him. And being wrapped up in himself as he was, he knew that he was on the outs with God. And when he saw David's rise, he became David's enemy, henceforth and forevermore, all the way to the grave. Difficulties notwithstanding, against the backdrop of a monarch who was forever trying to kill him, David still rose and grew higher and higher and higher. And my word to you is, you may well have a Saul in your life or a set of circumstances that's holding you back that's indeed adversarial. Every time you turn around, someone, for reasons of their own, is looking to knock the legs out from underneath you. Difficulties notwithstanding, when we look at the warrior king, we're going to see a story of a man who was not to be stopped. We're going to see a story of a man who overcame adversity who overcame the Saul's in his life. And he had more than one problem. Saul was a perennial one, but when Saul dissipated, there were others. But difficulties notwithstanding, at the end of David's administration, Israel, which was 6,000 miles, was then 60,000 miles. David left his mark through song, and many of them were sung in his wake where David, under his administration, taught people that with God, we can overcome life's obstacles and get the better of life's vexing dilemmas. At first, our leaders were fearful about the prophet's visit to Bethlehem. But Father assured us that this man of God, Samuel, was here on a holy mission. God had told him that one of us would be selected as Israel's next king. Father was sure that it would be my brother Eliab, but the prophet asked to see my next brother, and then the next. He looked at all my brothers, and in each case said, the Lord has not chosen this man. Finally, the prophet said to Father, do you have any more sons? Father told him he had one more. David was young and handsome, and according to Samuel, was the one God had chosen to be anointed. 
Things changed forever that day for my brother David and for all of Israel. I believe the New Testament is a very, very, very Jewish story. Well, I'm kind of different. Not everybody sees it that way. The Gospel of Matthew actually was written in Hebrew first. We only have Greek text now. It starts off, Sefer HaYuchasin Shel Yeshio HaMashiach Ben David Uben Avraham, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, Ben David, and the son of Abraham. I think it's a great story. Uh, Jesus Christ, uh, uh, you know, when I grew up, I thought his father and mother were Mr. and Mrs. Christ. Then I was reminded that actually Christ itself is a Greek telling of the Hebrew Mashiach, Messiah. And the word Messiah itself comes from a word in Hebrew, anointed one. And why is that? Because in the uh, Torah, there were individuals that when they came to office, they were anointed, prophets, priests, and kings. And they were anointed with oil. And here we are in an oil-making factory, just like it was in Bible days. And here, the olives are put in and they're ground down. There's a number of grinding down processes to get the fruit of the olive. They put the olives under pressure. And you know, on one level, it, 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 it kind of works to my way of thinking that leaders get under the, uh, the olive oil, you know, that, that which is produced through all this pressure, because the truth of the matter is, when individuals step up to lead, uh, they step up into a world where there's lots of pressures. Our story takes place today against the backdrop of David being visited by Shmuel. Samuel the prophet came to Bethlehem, Bethlehem, and he came to the house of Jesse and he said, let me see your boys. Something tells me I'm in for something good, says Jesse. Those boys are marched one after the other. I'm planning on anointing one, says the prophet, but nothing. Finally, after coming up empty, the prophet looks at dad and says, you know, don't you have anybody else? Well, come to think of it, we do. We have Davy, that kid out there. Um, to me, it's striking that his own father didn't think highly of him, that David was a loser in his father's eyes, so much so that when, um, when the prophet came to the house and said, let me see your boys, David wasn't even included in the list. And the fact that David is respected, disrespected, not just by the father, but by his brothers later on when David comes to the army bringing food staples, talking about uh, taking on Goliath, his brothers, oh, shut up, David, who do you think you are? Go tend to your lousy little sheep. The kind of disrespect that David had is striking. God takes this guy out of nowhere who's a nobody and brings him somewhere and turns him into a somebody. And let me tell you, that's all about the call of God. Uh, the rabbis explain uh, why it is that David was so marginalized in his family system. Uh, there are various arguments put forth, one of which is that David himself was born out of an adulterous relationship, which would explain why his brothers, who construed their coming into the family more legitimately, would look at him disparagingly. You might recall the psalm where David says, In sin did my mother conceive me. And again, some rabbis attribute it to just that. Others argue that much as David's grandmother was a Moabitess, so was his mother of non-Jewish extract herself. This could explain why some of the other brothers marginalized David. 
The reason why some put that forth is because when David was on the run from Saul, he goes and leaves his mom with the Moabites, and that gives credence to that notion. In any case, we're here in the text where the prophet comes to the house. Vayomer Hadanoi, and the Lord said, Kum, arise, Mishochechu Kizehu, and anoint him, for this is he, David, that nobody guy, gets the oil. We're told, Vayikach Shmuel et Keren Hashemen. Then Samuel took the horn of oil. Vayimshach Oto Bekerev Echov. And he anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And then, And the Spirit of the Lord fell mightily upon David. God calls all kinds of people. We have people that are appointed as leaders, and here we have people that are anointed. I say three cheers for the call of God, and it's available not just for David and for me, but for you. Our resource this week, the series Faith of Our Fathers on DVD. These eight programs reveal how the creation of Israel in the Old Testament inspired a future generation to carve out a modern yet godly nation in the new world. This series features Bible teaching by Dr. Jeffrey Seif, interviews with Christian historian David Barton, plus dramatic reenactments of colonial times. Contact us for your own copy of Faith of Our Fathers. Join us right now for additional content that is only available on our social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Visit our website, levitt.com, for the current and past programs, the television schedule, tour information, and our free monthly newsletter, which is full of insightful articles and news commentary. View it online, or we can ship it directly to your mailbox every month. Also on our website is the online store, there, you can order this week's resource, or you can always give us a call at 1-800-WONDERS. Your donations to Our Jewish Roots help us to support these organizations as they bless Israel. Please remember we depend on tax-deductible donations from viewers like you. In a moment, we're going to go to a fascinating, dramatic reenactment when David takes on Goliath, Goliath. David did that once. We have to take on Goliath once a month when the rent is due on television. Let me in advance thank you for those who care to share, to put some stones in our slingshot to throw against these massive bills. Television isn't cheap. We're so glad to be on the air to tell this story so people can know it, we show it. Off now to a fascinating enactment of a story I trust you all know, David and Goliath. David only needed one smooth stone, but he selected five. Waiting for him was the biggest man anyone had ever seen. Over nine feet tall, his armor alone weighed as much as a man. His iron spear was greater than 15 pounds. Goliath had taunted us unmercifully for 40 days. And then one day, the shepherd boy, David, the, the son of Jesse, confronted the Philistine beast with his sling. 
that one single stone. It was a day that all Israel shall never forget. How proud we were. We were serving in the army of the living God. The word scythe uh, comes from the German meaning soap. Doesn't bring out the machismo spirit in me to be sure, but my parents are of German Jewish extract. The word scythe has another name in Arabic. It means sword. I prefer that, but I can't claim that. However, when I think of the faith that I have through the Messiah, through the Scripture, I can claim that sword kind of valiant spirit, and the reason is is because I want to walk in the footsteps of David. We are uh, considering a man who, against all odds, jumped into the fray and accomplished great things in life. I believe, by the way, that he needn't be an anomaly. I think all of us can do much the same. David didn't have much to begin with. He didn't have a sword in hand. In fact, David was known for a stone. David didn't kill Goliath with a stone, as is oftenly, uh, often supposed. He didn't. He stunned him with it. In fact, I think Goliath was caught off guard in so many ways that day, wasn't he? He stunned him with it, knocked him out. And I, it may well be that as Goliath was coming to, he just lived to see the inglorious moment uh, when he was slain by his own sword. David then took the sword as well as the head as trophies, as booties, as a plunder of war. Um, there's a great story there, not that I glory in any death, but I am reminded of a basic biblical principle. This is Bible 101, and that is that faith can, does, and will move mountains. It's all about us at one level. By that I mean, do we want to exercise faith and get on with the pursuit of the future? Uh, the word confidence comes from the Latin word confides, uh, a conflation of words meaning with faith. Uh, we're looking at a story here where David learned it that day on the field of battle. And let me tell you that, that, that so many uh, things in life are really learned on the field of battle. You know, if we want to have a testimony with the Lord, well, that's great, it's good to have a testimony, but if we're going to have a testimony, we've got to have a, quote, test first. And life presents with a lot of challenges, but challenges are opportunities with work clothes. We just have to rise up and meet them head on. And, and David did that, didn't he? Others were afraid. They were daunted by this towering uh, Goliath. Uh, but David really thought that the bigger they were, the harder they fall. And, and he just jumped into the fray, and the rest is history. In uh, the book Shmuel, in, in Samuel chapter 17, uh, I want you to read with me here. Uh, we're told, David el ha Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, etc. But then what he says as a follow-up is just emblazoned in biblical memory. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Adonai Tzivaot, the Lord of the armies. Now I want you to hear me for a second. We live in precarious times. And I'm not just speaking about world culture and individual nation states. The world is a very precarious place, and, and various nations are in the throes of despair in so many ways. 
when I think of, of household units that are basic building blocks of any society, just like there's pillars here holding up this house, so too the family is a basic building block. The family is being assailed. There are challenges today. Well, who is or isn't president isn't as important. What social programs are on the table isn't as important. What's important is that we, like David, rise up with faith, because I believe that faith can and will pay dividends. Faith in Jesus, Israel's Messiah. David was just a boy when that stone hit Goliath. I have a feeling that that wasn't the first time he's had a slingshot in his hand. I don't think so. He had a lot of practice beforehand out there in the field. I, I just have to say, uh, I always like to kind of bring it home for all of you viewers. How does this apply, or this story, this Bible story, apply to us today? And I think, maybe I think you'll agree and you'll agree, that is a beautiful story that God chooses the overlooked. Even, even David's father didn't even think about him. Yeah, who, who are you going to anoint? Ah, that went out in the field, but God chose him. He was the overlooked son, but he was the chosen one. I think that's good. It's a great point. You know, his high school yearbook didn't have him in as most likely to succeed. You're, his, his father disrespected him. His brothers threw him under the bus. Great point. In this whole series about David, there's a lot of ups and downs, kind of a roller coaster ride in his life. And I hope that we can uh, apply this to our lives also. Well, you know, to that point, David really resonates with me personally. That warrior king thing, that edge to throw yourself against the troubles of the day. I have that type A personality to, to do it. But sometimes David gets himself in trouble with it. And the Bible, unlike other biographies, you know, if you look at historiography in antiquity, the people that write about the kings just blow stardust in their face about how great they are about their exploits. But the Bible uh, gives the bad and the ugly, not just the good. In the Older Testament with David, yes, and in the Newer Testament with the likes of Peter and Paul, you know, uh, we see both sides, the humanity, and we see God at work through it. I was actually thinking about you, about you during um, getting ready for this uh, series that you also are kind of like a warrior in your job during the week. Well, you know, I mean, I've always had two vocations. I've been a Bible college and seminary professor and then part-time police, and it's kind of gone back and forth. You know, I have about 20, 25 years in, in policing. And, uh, you know, I've had opportunity to go out there and throw some stones at Goliath, right. put it like that. But on the other hand, David played the harp. He was a um, psalmist. psalmist. So yeah. I kind of like what you and your wife do at night sometimes. You're a ballroom dancer. Well, yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay, this is getting yeah, but, good now. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm the lover, but I'll, I'll leave the music with you guys. You know, I'm not very poetic. I'm not as good with words, romancing, the language of the heart. At the end of the day, I come home. My wife says, how was your day? I say, good. She says, I'm your wife. I need more. Okay, it was really good. You know, I mean, I don't have a lot of vocabulary there. I bet you guys do because you musician artists are in touch with all of that well, stuff. Well, it's keeping, yes. is being balanced, I think. And as we saw in David's life, and we will see more, he was, he was balanced, but ultimately he was a man after God's own heart. That's true. And that that's was a saving grace and ours too. Right. So much more to come. Stay with us. Our Jewish Roots is more than just a television program. 
See what you are missing on our social media outlets. On Facebook and Twitter, you'll find our daily Name of God devotional, current news articles, the Bearded Bible Brothers, and more. On our YouTube channel, you'll find faith foundations, music, interviews, the Bearded Bible Brothers, and more. Or find everything on our website, levitt.com. We invite you to keep in touch and join us on social media. Walking the Holy Land changes your life. If the doors are open, we go. One of our favorite spots in the Holy Land is the Galilee. That's one of your favorites, isn't it? It is. We have a good friend who actually lives there. Many friends that we've made in the past five years that we've been on this program. Chaim Mailspin, who you've seen before, is in this next segment. Let's go to him right now in Tiberias. All of us Israelis serve in the army, guys three years, girls two years, mandatory. Uh, we have to get together and, and defend the defenseless in this one democracy in the Middle East. I served with the Combat Engineer Corps, the elite unit for special operations and missions. Uh, and it comes down to faith sometimes when it's truly a dangerous scenario. Uh, we know that he never slumbers nor sleeps who watches over Israel. But do we know that when we're in face of discomfort or danger? Uh, I know that there's that moment where you have 10 minutes to phone your family. You can't tell them you're about to go into a very life-threatening situation, but you just say, I love you, I'll see you later, and uh, that may be the last call you ever have. But that faith had to become real for me. My challenge is now, will our faith become real as we step into God's prophetic plan unfolding right now? has a specific call on Chaim Maelspin's life as he had on King David's. It was for his time, and he rose to the occasion, didn't Yes, he? and we need some of that for this time. David-like leadership for Goliath-like times. I see Goliath when I look around. It's not easy. We've, we've discussed everything that people have been walking through in the world. It is hard, and we need those people to rise up with a few stones and say, I'm going to take that down. That doesn't scare me. That's right. Yeah, and rise to the occasion. Yes, hopefully this series will help you. Invite a friend. We have so much more in this series to come. Join us next week. We always end our program with this. 
Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. This has been a paid program brought to you by Zola Levitt Ministries.